welcome to the Flip Flops Podcast. I could not be more excited for an episode. I think I have literally been losing sleep uh, the past few nights just because I'm so excited and I've been thinking about what I want to share with you. So here we go. I have been through a lot of changes in the last year, as I'm, I know many of us have. And as I said in the trailer of this podcast, it's really left me feeling in a funk and I felt really lost and I felt really alone. And I was in so much emotional pain and loss and unable to grapple that I reached out for help. And the person that I went to was actually a life coach that I met through my husband. And this person has prompted me with simple exercises and really sat with me while I cried. And it was such an incredible experience that I had to reach out to him because I wanted to share his story, which I find very unique. I also wanted to share with you a book that he recommended to my husband and I that has really, really shifted how I see what I was going through. And I think the biggest thing this book taught me, and the book is called Transitions by making, it's called Transitions, Making Sense of Life's Changes, um, is the difference between change and trans- transition. So a change is what happens on the outside, let's say uh, becoming a mother, i.e. myself, <laughs> uh, going through a mat leave, exiting a mat leave, all while we're in quarantine and living in a pandemic that has shifted our sense of security and safety and a transition is really the emotional process you go through to deal with that change and just that little difference was really interesting because I think part of the torture that I was going through was really feeling like I was lost in space like I didn't know how to make myself feel better. And I was feeling things that I had never felt before. And I didn't have any tools to really deal with it. And it was by working with this lovely man named Yann Martin, who is from Quebec, who currently lives in Boston, um, that we did a few simple exercises. And I think it was the right person at the right time. And what I realized was my own mind was working against me. And I was trying to rush myself through a process that I had to give myself time for. And I think we do that, we kind of, you know, we lose patience with ourselves and we want to hurry up a process. We want to get it right and we want to get it right right now. At least that's, that was the case for me. And by doing the work with Jan, I realized that I had to accept that I was in a transition And so in this book, there's a really interesting passage I want to share with you. And it's really about, I'm kind of summarizing a few paragraphs, but it's really about the fact that we live in a world where we expect ourselves to be more like a machine, where if it breaks down, we have to buy a new one and we see it as something wrong. When actually, if we look to nature, We can see the transitions happen all the time. And as we go from different seasons, 
you know, nature allows itself to rest, and yet human beings don't really do that for themselves. We don't give ourselves uh, time off or time out to change on a really, really deep and profound level. And when we do, we're alerted to the fact that it feels like something is wrong with us or that we're broken. And so I think I had shame around what I was going through, shame that I didn't have a plan, shame that I didn't know how to work this out. And so that was, that was really the first step for me was really realizing that I had to allow myself uh, be like nature. And so the little paragraph I want to read you goes like this. Throughout nature, growth involves periodic accelerations and transformations. Things go slowly for a time and nothing seems to happen until suddenly the eggshell cracks, the branch blossoms, the tadpole's tail shrinks away, the leaf falls, the bird molts, or the hibernation begins. With us, it is the same, although the signs are less clear than in the world of feather and leaf. The functions of transition times are the same. There are key times in the natural process of development and self-renewal. Without an understanding of such natural times of transition, we are left impossibly hoping that change will bypass us and let us go on with our lives as before. So that for me really made a big difference. I slowed down. I let myself journal on a daily basis on a really intense level. And I really let myself let go of some things. The other thing this book does that's really phenomenal is teaches us that a transition has three parts, a letting go, an in-between phase, and a new beginning. And of course we want to get right to the new beginning. I mean, let's skip all the pain and just get it figured out. But we have to let ourselves go through the mourning, the letting go, the saying goodbye, and then this middle bit that can last a while, but that we have to go through so that we ask ourselves the deep questions and do the work. And if we could change how we see that process and really enjoy this feeling our way through the dark, I think it would lead to more happiness in our lives. And then we can be in a position to embrace a new beginning. So with all of that, I will say that my guest today, as I mentioned, is Yann Martin. He is a life coach. He also helps corporations in transition and helps bring corporate cultures together. Um, but what I found interesting about him, having worked in mental health uh, for 14 years, is, you know, we talked a lot about depression and anxiety because my company was selling uh, medications like um, antidepressants and anti-anxiety medications. We spoke a lot about how women going through anxiety and depression will go to a doctor much quicker, but a man will take more time. And Yan's story is really interesting because he rose through the corporate ladder and was really at the top. I mean, he was brought to Boston, he was brought to Europe, and he was leading enormous teams. But at the end of the day, you know, in his 40s, he ended up leaving to become a life coach, and I'll let him tell you why. But he also shares with us today his story of his own depression and anxiety that he has dealt with in his life. And I think it's incredibly brave, 
but also I think it's so important because there's so much stigma around it. And the reason I bring this up is because quarantine and this pandemic has brought on uh, not only, you know, firing up anyone, any symptoms for anyone who has depression and anxiety or any mental illness, but it also has brought on symptoms of depression for people that don't have depression um, in the sense that we are dealing with loss, lack of motivation, and I'm sure you have your own things. I've dealt with tremendous physical pain, um, all sorts of symptoms that uh, we need to talk about and we need to address and we have to ask for help because there is a mental health crisis that has come forth from this whole pandemic. We're isolated, we're feeling lost. Um, so this is why I think this story has tremendous benefit for everybody. And I hope you'll have a listen. And if you need to, I hope you'll reach out for help as well. And I would love if this podcast could help not only reduce the stigma or remove the stigma rather of, of having any kind of quote unquote weakness, but really reshaping the word weakness. And perhaps we can allow ourselves to see strength where we call something a weakness because it takes tremendous strength to go through these times in our life and come out the other side and we can't do it alone <laughs> we have to ask for help so please enjoy Yann Meltan's story thank you Thank you so much for agreeing to do this interview. You're my second one. I know. So I just want to introduce you by saying that you're someone who, as I've been feeling my way through the dark, you've held my hand and held the flashlight mm -hmm. and helped me feel my way through. And That's so you, nice to say. And you've held my emotions with me and cried with me. <laughs> And it's been a really special experience for me to work with you. I think you have an amazing story. And I think if we talk about this part of life, I think a lot of people will get a lot out of it. So I'd love to start with you describing what it is that you do. Well, first of all, I just want to thank you for the kind words. It's been, it's also been a pleasure for me to get to know you and the feeling is definitely mutual and I'm tremendously excited for you in this podcast. I think, I think what you're putting out there is very relevant and inspiring and definitely tapping into your creativity. So I'm, I'm loving this. Well, thank you. And thanks for having me. This is great. This is cool. Um, <laughs> Um, yeah, so what do I do? You know, after 20 years of working senior management role around the world, I've kind of decided to reframe my life a little bit and just work with people. So I do one-on-one -on -one leadership, executive coaching, but also life coaching and work with executive teams on helping them kind of find their groove and really kind of get to know each other and uh, work better together. And, and then I help companies kind of work their corporate culture, you know, what it, what it means to kind of take a purpose and really turn it into a, a culture that is fulfilling to work within. Navigating through that and discovering and helping people clarify what it is they want to do and help them 
put action in place to do that. What's really special for me is that you do it very gently. So gently that I didn't even know it was happening. (laughs) And I didn't really know what was happening. We've only had two sessions and we're, we're not done. I'm sure, you know, I plan on doing more work with you. But you don't do it in a really controlling way. You kind of sit back and let the other person figure it out for themselves while encouraging them. And it's a really nice way to work. So I just want to acknowledge that. Mm. Can you, you? You're welcome. Can you share your story? You were very high up on the corporate ladder and Mm -hmm. then you made this huge pivot in your career. And you've been very open with me about sharing a difficult time that you went through where you were Mm -hmm. sitting at the kitchen table and said to your wife, I don't think I'll ever want to do anything again, which is exactly where (laughs) I was. And she looked at you and said, yes, you will. So could you share a little bit about what you went through, why you pivoted, and just share that story? The reason I think I pivoted, you know, I spent 20 years in various roles and you say kind of going up the corporate ladder. And I did face some tough moments uh, during that 20 years, battle depression, I've dealt with anxiety. And in, in kind of reframing my approach to work later on in this 20-year journey and learning from my episodes, battling my own demons, I started appreciating the value of human connections and support and self-care, self-awareness, and investing in yourself to put ultimately put something better in, in the world outside to kind of start with this point. So the, the first shift happened because my interest shifted from being in a big company helping sell product to wanting to help people. So that's kind of happened been through my own my own discovery and my own personal journey. Two years ago I've decided to leave my previous employer and and explore starting my own business. So what you referred to that moment at the kitchen table, I think I think happened during early on during that transition. I use the word transition and not change because transition is a, it's a process. Change is a thing. Okay, you decide to change, and so you make a decision, and you leave something, and you move to something else. Transition is usually is actually that process of going from the old to the new, and it's not a linear, organic process. You know, you gotta leave something behind. You gotta process in kind of putting an X to what was, and then there's defining what is coming and what that looks like. But then in between, there's this awkward place where you just sit there and things are not clear because you're still attached to your maybe old identity and you're not clear about where you're going. So the moment you talk about, I remember, I think I was definitely a little bit tired too at the moment, but in this awkward space of the transition itself and things are not clear and you just kind of feel you're floating and you're not sure what excites you. And, you know, and then you're like, God, is what am I going to do? Is my mojo going to come back? And, uh, you question yourself. But I think when I tell a lot of people how I work with them, and, and even in my career, I kind of almost told myself, myself down and told myself, just trust the process. Just trust that things are going to work out the way they should if you put the energy and if you just keep moving the direction feels the right one. But how did you figure yeah. it out for yourself? Did you work with someone? For me, it was more kind of looking back at my past experiences. And, you know, that they haven't been all smooth. My first big transition moving to Boston, from Montreal to Boston with a family and with a bigger job at the time, that's when I hit my first depression. I didn't deal well with the transition. So I learned from that. And then, you know, as, as you grow older, you, you learn from all your experiences and you start managing or dealing with things maybe a little bit differently, I guess. So the book that you told us to read 
is the book called Transitions by William yes. and Susan Bridges. And I found this yeah. book absolutely mind-blowing and helpful. How did you know that I was in a transition? I mean, I think at one point, especially right now, with the pandemic, our lives have been thrown upside down. So most people, if not all people, are kind of dealing with some type of transition, a transition of having to work remotely versus at work, a transition to have to cut ties with how life was to be able to deal with this pandemic. You know, there, I don't think there's a necessarily a very well-set definition of transition. I think transition is just this notion of going from one state to another. In your case, I'm not sure how much we can tell you about your story. No, fair but, enough. Let's, uh, yeah. <laughs> yeah, I don't want to <laughs> No, you know, because the questions you were asking, right. you know, were about uh, wondering what kind of future you want to shape for yourself. So right. you got to transition towards that. And I think this book is great because it's not a recipe, you you know, it just say, here's what you got to do. Um, it explains a little bit of what happens when you're in transition and everyone can relate to it because there's some universal truth about. Yeah. About I mean, I think what, too. just to get back to the pandemic, I think what's interesting right now is if you do reading about the pandemic and how people are coping, some of the symptoms of dealing with the pandemic can mimic depression. And so I remember at the beginning speaking to a lot of friends and people were lacking in motivation so I think it's really interesting to talk about how to deal with the pandemic, how to transition and how to identify what you're feeling and to talk about it. I think all of that is really important. So I definitely think I had that going on. And then I also uh -huh. just changing from working to being a mom full time uh -huh. to then the pandemic hitting and then my daughter starting school full time. I don't mind sharing that those were all really big transitions. And then sure. she's in school and boom, there's a pandemic. So what do I do now? So I think on the surface, I had all of those situational changes going on while I was also dealing with this pandemic. And I think the pandemic can trigger different things in different people. And <laughs> I was just listening to an interview with Doc Shepard and Amy Poehler. And she was saying that uh -huh. for control freaks, this can really trigger something because we had no control. So I think exactly. all of that was yeah. going on. Why I love this book so much is because it really identified, like you said, that when you're in a transition, there's a beginning, a middle and an end. And the middle part can feel like you're lost. And I think there was a mourning period for all of us also, as we were going through the pandemic at the beginning, kind of mourning, you know, weddings that we wanted to hold yeah. or yeah, yeah, surgeries sure. that needed to take place mm -hmm. or birthdays or just seeing people or vacations. There was, remember, we talked about me feeling like I was just floating in outer space. I couldn't grab on to anything and just you identifying it as that helped me a lot just to say like okay you're in outer space I've been there you will come back down to earth at one point but I think while we're all in this whether you call it waiting or the big pause I think there's so much opportunity to change how we do things how we approach life what our expectations yeah. are where yeah. we find gratitude yeah. I think there's just so much that can come out of this but the pandemic brought is to a certain extent forced people to recenter or refocus on themselves because there was less time to go out, less time to do some of the other social things you used to do that maybe kept you busy, maybe were kind of giving you a, a sense of accomplishment and then and then you kind of left spending more time thinking because there's more time doing. 
now some people ended up maybe spending more time on social media or Netflix, but I, I know there's a lot of people that spend more time reflecting and reconnecting with themselves, either through simple reflection or discussion with their loved ones, people who discover meditation, people who actually started doing more exercise and fitness. And I think that that for me is, I think, the big opportunity within something as terrible as a pandemic is recentering yourself and understanding the value of self-care first as the starting point to anything connecting with your mind, allowing yourself to just be with your mind without being stimulated with social media, reconnecting with your body by working out, by moving, reconnecting with your curiosity by reading books, reconnecting with people. I think even if, uh, it's going to seem odd, but even if we couldn't connect with people physically, I think we ended up connecting potentially more with people virtually. So we could finding more value in being with someone and talking. So to a certain extent, a lot of people are dealing with it differently, but I think a lot of people were maybe questioning or wanting to recenter themselves through that phase. So you said to me the other day that your favorite part of your day is your morning routine of meditation. And, and I was wondering if you could share what meditation means for you and how you do it yeah. and how it's changed you. Sure. I'd say the, the best part of my day is my coffee for when I get up. <laughs> I agree. Um, That's the best part of my day too. <laughs> yeah. The smell and the ritual. Yeah. But then I go down stairs and I, I do kind of some stretching for a half hour and then I meditate right afterwards to kind of ground myself. But I mean, med meditation for me came in about 10 years ago. I actually remember when I was first curious about it, I was definitely still in my depression or coming out of it. I was at the San Francisco airport. I was visiting my advertising agency in San Francisco and the airport, looking at all these books, you know, one struck my eye. It said 10% Happier, a book by Dan Harris, a journalist that worked at ABC News that had an anxiety attack on air. The book is about his journey uh, of self-discovery and trying to figure out how to quiet the monkey mind and discover meditation. And anyways, it, this book kind of demanded justified a little bit meditation. Then I started meditating and downloading the Headspace app that was helpful in the beginning. And it kind of discovered that there's no right or wrong way to meditate. Meditation is, is simply the allowing yourself to sit and focus on your breathing and allowing to see your thoughts from a very non-judgmental way and push them aside and refocus on your breathing. So it kind of trains you to see the mind for what it is. It's kind of this constant stimulation, sending you messages or triggers that you can either decide to re react right away to or see it for what they are which are just thoughts and then decide how you want to deal with them allows you to train your brain to create that space between the moment that thoughts enters and then how you decide to want to deal with it the, the brain is a muscle you can train just like it can train any other muscle so for me it really helped create distance and, and, and see okay what how do i feel when i'm triggered and then Oh, it's interesting now. And the more you do, the more I meditate, the more I'm aware that this stimulation is coming in or this thought is coming in. And I actually can take it from a place of quietness and, and decide how I want to deal with it versus maybe sometimes just react. So it's been super helpful. And you know, a lot of what I try to do with people is demystify what meditation is. And a lot of people tell me, oh, I can't, I can't meditate because I can't, my mind never stops and I can't sit in silence. And yeah, people say, to... yeah, I can't sit still. 
I can't do it. Yeah. The point is to be able to sit and see that the thoughts are coming and, and using that time to be able to just, okay, it's a thought, then pushing it away and coming back and refocusing on your breath. It's impossible to stop thinking. You don't stop thinking. What you can do is being able to recognize the thoughts for what they are when they come in and then decide what you want to do with them. That's the big thing about demystifying meditation. There's no right or wrong way to do it. You just do it. And the more you do it, the quieter you become faced when you're faced with a stress. It doesn't mean that the thoughts are not going to come and the stress are going to go away. It means that you're going to allow yourself to create a space on how you're going to want to respond to them. That's very different than thinking you're not going to, you're going to stop thinking. Mornings I meditate, Angelique, and it's like, it's like bullets in my head. All I got are thoughts. And I'm like, oh my, okay, I'm agitated today to start the day. It actually creates an awareness right away for me in the morning and say, okay, like I'm in that state today. Let's just watch out for how things are going to come. And then some morning it's super quiet. I feel very relaxed and I can really focus on my breathing. So it just signals to me that, okay, I'm in, that's the state I'm in today. And then how did it change you at work? You mentioned to me once that you were in a boardroom and everybody was freaking out in the boardroom and yeah it was kind of the first moment something happened executive meeting and someone brought a topic and everyone started getting fired up and animated agitated and firing back at the other and i cared about the discussion but i was seeing myself oh here's what's going on everyone's triggered i see this how do i want to deal with it rather than probably my old self would have jumped right in it was interesting to actually see it at work and the brain is a thing that's malleable by meditating you start you stimulate a different part of your brain that creates endorphins that triggers what ultimately gives you a sense of well-being well the default setting of the human brain is fight or flight right that's mm-hmm. that's how we were wired from a prehistoric age mm-hmm. you know it's like there's a stimulus there's a there's a stress like you either fight it or you start running and that to a certain extent we used to do that maybe with lions and tigers now we're doing it in our social interaction but the brain is still wired the same it's you start using a different part of your brain when you meditate so that when actually the real trigger comes in in real life you've trained your brain to react maybe a little bit differently than the standard fight or flight. And that's where the magic happens. So after that board meeting, when you didn't jump in and get excited with everybody, did anyone ask you about it later? Yeah, there are some people that came to see me say, hey, you seem seem kind of relaxed and and not fired up or triggered by this. And explain to them, yeah, yeah, I'm I'm there, but I see what's going on before I decide how I want to respond to all of this. And I've had someone from the executive team ask, me if we could chat about it because that person wanted to try to get to a a state that is more relaxed in those situations rather than being triggered so but would you say that people have a pressure to jump in yeah they do it's a self-imposed pressure because especially in the corporate world we often live through the eyes of others in terms of how we see ourselves. So, oh, I got to prove my boss. Okay, that, we just, that, we that, need that a would... bumper sticker that says, sometimes we're living in the eyes of others. That's really, really well put. So, and at work, you want to show you're in control. You want to show you're participating. You want to show you're proactive because unfortunately, in most cases, that's what's valued from leaders, big, bold, talkative leaders, rah, rah, that's how leaders should be. Says who? Leaders can also be quiet, thoughtful. I think everyone can gain from a bit of perspective before taking a decision. Talk to me about how important it is to breathe, because we always end our sessions with you saying... 
breathe and yeah, you'll text and I, me and say uh, breathe. breathe. <laughs> yeah, I mean it's interesting. We breathing is something we do thousands of time during a day, but very often we don't notice it. So for me, just also just like breathe and just take the time to feel your breath kind of recenters you a little bit. And I'm guilty of not doing that often enough. You know, we've done it. Sometimes you just, all right, just, you know what, just take two minutes here, close our eyes, take a few deep breaths, reconnect mm-hmm. with our body, feel our body, and then come back is essential, especially in a world where we're so triggered by everything, media all over the place, social media, this constant feeling like you got to be stimulated and you actually forget that just breathing is okay and it's not a question of just sitting down and breathing all day and not doing anything that's not the point we all want to accomplish something we all have a purpose we all want to feel like we're succeeding at something and we're creating something and that's totally fine but question is what state do you want to do it in do you want to do it from a place of anxiety yeah do you want to do it from a place of anxiety or do you want to do it from a place of calm so it's not about not doing anything it's about doing it in the right state. Mm, I love that. Are you there? Yes, oh, I am. good. Okay, good. I was just breathing. I was you just were breathing. breathing. <laughs> yeah. It's so good to breathe. It is. I want to talk more about depression, but I don't want to overstep my boundaries. I wanted to know how you transitioned in and out. So I'm not a doctor and I'm not a psychologist, so I'm definitely not an expert into it. I can only talk about it from my personal experience. Depression is a mental illness and it's got many, many symptoms. For me, it came in the form of losing sleep, being in front of a computer, not having anything coming out, not wanting to be in rooms with people, wanted to be by myself. I recognize the symptoms because I, I accompanied some people before that through a depression and it was happening to me and I kind of went, holy cow, it's actually happening to me. Look at that. You feel invincible and then to a certain point, there's nothing you can do about it. Now, what triggers it is different for everyone. For me, there was definitely this notion of, of uber anxiety about what others would think and about this notion of living in the eyes of others, which always put me in this state of not feeling enough and wanting having to do more. And then it's a bit of a vicious circle. What I would say is key elements in terms of helping people which are in this position with one is it's okay, be there. It happens to a lot of people. It actually happens to a lot more people than we think. It's just that it's there's still a stigma attached to it, that it's a sign of weakness, that a lot of people don't admit that they're there or that they have it. That's why I and find then, it so profound that you're so willing to talk about it because of that stigma. So mm, thank you very much. Yeah. Oh, no problem. You know, I, I think it's very important because ultimately for me, getting some help and talking about it was something that, that was key in helping me navigate through all of this. You have to do it yourself. You have to find ways yourself, but you need some help and people you can rely on around you that understands where you are. They're not necessarily going to give you the answer, but they're going to be supportive. And just that little support is good to have. There's no shame in being in there, but there's definitely risk if you don't recognize it or admit you have it. And if you don't seek help, that's where it can get a little bit dangerous. The bigger problem with depression or mental illness right now is that because of how we're wired as a society, as people from a 
performance standpoint that we see it as a sign of weakness if we're in that state. We might want to fight it by just trying to do more and working more, and that, that might not be helpful because we feel it might be seen as a, a sign of weakness or compromise your status or compromise your position at work. And I spoke openly about it while I was in the middle of it. I don't think it limited my professional career. I, if anything, it created more trust and understanding between me and my team and my colleagues and my teammate, and, and it reinforced the bonds that we had. And I actually think it created a safe environment for people to, to feel like they can open up and talk about how, how they feel. Wow. What would you say to anybody who is having any kind of difficulty right now? That it's absolutely normal. It's, it's, it's not an easy time for anyone. So don't feel like you're isolated or you're that it's just you. I would say it's a phase. Life ebbs and flows. There's moments you feel energized and moments you feel down. So the current state is not permanent. So I would say that's the second thing. I would say definitely invest in you. You move, read, spend time with loved ones, that the stuff that matters, reconnect with yourself, start meditating if you haven't, meditate more if you do. I would definitely say that that's a clear starting point. And then I would say just talk about it. It's okay to tell someone you're not feeling good, someone trusted to share with. Sometimes just talking about it, it's going to make you feel better just knowing that someone understands you and is there in case you need to talk about it. And you'll be surprised. You know, I know you shared on uh, your social media platform moments where you felt out of sync a little bit or stuck in a rut. And I think the feedback you've gotten, how uh, the support you've gotten was tremendous. It just goes to show you that people are there to help. People want to help. And you'd be surprised that by asking someone to listen to you, you might actually help that person because that person it might be looking for someone to talk to also connect with other humans. Well, this was wonderful. Let's keep going. Let's keep going. <laughs> <laughs> oh, thank you so much. This was oh, so it's nice. A pleasure. You're, you're such it's a, a pleasure. you're such a sweet man and I really appreciate it. Uh, it's a pleasure to connect with you. Make sure I'm back at episode 100. <laughs> <laughs> for sure. All right. Thank you, Yan. the note that I want to end on apart from reiterating please ask for help if you need it and I put some information in the resources section is also just to reframe if you're going through a hard time try to see what messages your body and soul are telling you and write it down and embrace it and enjoy it and let yourself transform